0: So there's kind of some other news to, to talk about here as we're entering the second half of the season. Uh, so Commissioner Rob Manfred has hinted at some rule changes that are to come. Ooh, uh, so Rob Manfred. Yeah, During the all-star break, Manfred indirectly indicated during an interview that the following changes will be made potentially as early as next season. So no more seven-inning doubleheaders. You know, this is something that bled over from last year's, uh, shortened and condensed two-month regular season going straight into the playoffs, mm. uh, after uh, after sports began began to come back in the middle of covid um and so you know the seven inning double headers uh were implemented in terms of just trying to keep uh people around like the field and the clubhouse and stadiums uh for for like shorter amounts of time should games go to extra innings um uh just kind of keeping in terms of um yeah when you've got double headers uh, to kind of put more uh, more game time in there um, but you know there would be no more seven inning double headers like we're ultimately that's going to be phased out uh, we're moving into more normal times more widely available vaccination uh, just kind of the path forward at this point now to where that is no longer really necessary at this point and doesn't really provide benefit and uh an enhancement to the game. Uh no more players on the start uh, on second to the start of extra innings. So yeah, once again kind of another time saving uh keeping people around like the field um as little as possible like when you've got uh, instances of having to be uh, in one place as a team uh, for long periods of time. Yeah, that's most likely going to be out the door uh presumably we believe uh as soon as next year. Uh this is the big one here, the universal mm-hmm. designated hitter.
1: Yeah, <laughs> very
0: uh, potentially very soon, the uh, the designated hitter will be for both the American League and the National League. The differences between the two will maybe be no more. there will be no <laughs> more, uh, no more, no more uh, pitchers at bat. Uh, it will be a universal double uh, designated hitter, and will be really interesting to see kind of like the, the reaction, the, the, how major league baseball fans as a whole kind of like whether, you know, there is kind of carrying nostalgia from uh, the national league fan bases and kind of resistance to it, or if they'll uh, uh, if, the, if there will be like the kind of universal popularity from it, it'll be interesting to see what comes from that limiting the shift is the the final big one here? Uh, that means the possibility of mandating that two players must be on either side of second base at all time. Uh, so you've got you've got these changes that are coming
1: here. Which which of these boom stand out the most to you? Uh, really, it's. Uh it's the universal DH. I mean, I don't know how the collective bargaining agreement's going to go, but man, I, I wonder if it, you know. I think the players want this, but I wonder if the front office is going to be like, or you know, the owners are going to be like, oh, well, yeah, if you want this, well, you know, you're going to have to give up a lot because, frankly, then the National League, if they have to have a designated hitter, they have to start paying. Their personnel who are de facto designated hitters, they have to start paying them more because it's now a specialized position. So they've been able to benefit from that. You know, uh, we've got people on the AL like Nelson Cruz who are getting paid handsomely to do designated hitting. That's all they do. And they get paid handsomely for it. National League, they're doing old school. And so, but now they got to shell out some cash. So if that happens, which Manfred hinted at, it would this is huge. So that's by far the hugest the biggest one. Uh getting rid of the COVID era rules, get rid of them, scrap them. I'm all for that. And limiting the shift, you know, and I, I'm on board for that. You know, I'm not entirely opposed to limiting the shift in such a way where it's just like, okay, you have to stand in a certain spot. Because I mean, guys, people beat the shift all the time. Now, yeah people have shifted against players like Gallo in completely ridiculous ways to the point where like the third baseman's on second and then everybody else except for the left field isn't right. I mean, that's just, that's ridiculous. Okay, fine, whatever limiting two people on either side of second that can, they can stretch it as far as they can. And you know, they can still get an edge. So I'm, I'm on board for that. You know, I'm not against lifting limiting the shift just entirely, but I think I think that's a fair compromise. So, um, if all four of these and more came into play, come the collective bargaining agreement, I would be happy. You know, at the end of the day, offense is offense. You know, it's kind of fun to watch pitchers hit, except when it's not when they strike out. You know. 70 80 percent of the time you know i mean get offense in it's time to appeal to younger fans so let's go
0: (laughs) absolutely i uh, i think those are all great points to be made about uh about the rules uh the potential changes that are going to be coming uh to baseball very soon next big uh big storyline that has uh that has captivated major league baseball's fan base uh, is that the Cleveland Indians have announced, starting in 2022, their new name will be the Cleveland Guardians. Guardians so- <laughs> of the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> Guardians of the Upper Midwest and the Rust Belt. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So the Cleveland baseball uh, team has had many names in its history, if you didn't already know. So they were the at one point called the Cleveland Naps, that's short for the Cleveland Napoleons. Before they changed it to the Indians in 1915, after the departure of their player named Nap Lejoy, the name was intended to honor Louis Louis Sacalexis. Probably butcher that name. Who died <laughs> two years prior? A Native American. Uh, Played for the team back when they were called the Cleveland Spiders from 1897 to 1899 until alcoholism forced his departure. So, Sokalexis was a Native American from the Penobscot tribe in Burlington, Maine, widely regarded as the first Native American to play professional baseball. That more than 100 year history of the Indians will now be changed to a new era uh, referred to as the Guardians. Um, and, uh, fun fact within all this is that Stanford university, they, uh, their teams were referred to as the Indians, but then changed their name to the Cardinal back in 1982. Uh, and yeah, this isn't, this isn't kind of a super new thing for the city of Cleveland when you think back to also to the Cleveland Browns and the NFL uh, and their relationship with the city of Baltimore um, and the original Baltimore Colts and everything that kind of went down uh, between uh, Art Modell and uh, his, his business dealings um, with managing the team between those two cities. So uh, the city of Cleveland has definitely seen changes in before in terms of, uh, of naming teams coming and going. And this is a, uh, another uh, kind of chapter uh, in that sort of saga here, now mm-hmm. uh, coming along to the Cleveland Indians. So, uh,
1: boom, your thoughts on this announcement. Yeah, so it it seems, you know, at least the benefit of the, the doubt that naming the team the Indians, it wasn't nefarious. You know, they named it after um, Luis Sokalexis, And they wanted to honor his legacy. He played for the Cleveland Spiders. You know, he's widely regarded as the first Native American to play professional baseball. So they named him the Indians, you know. And over time, uh, that name has lost... Or it's it's kind of become a little more controversial. Uh, You know, you point out that Stanford University, they were ahead of the game when it came to political correctness. In 1982... They scrapped the Indians. 1982. My goodness. Ten years before we were born. I mean, they, they, they already were like, Psh, forget these guys. And it's funny because they're a California school. They used to be called the Indians. I mean, my goodness, guys. How deplorable. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, those California schools, they have a dark history, and they probably wanted us to forget about it. But we brought it up anyway. Um, <laughs> it, but, it, you know, here's the thing. At the end of the day, I mean, when I first heard the name, I was just kind of like, eh, you know, I mean. But here's the thing. There's going to be people who hate the fact that they changed their name, and they would have hated it regardless of what it could have been. They could have been the most epic name ever, but they're like, you're changing it. Well, just because you have something for however long, it could be even over 100 years. It's just like... You should be open to change, you know. And again, it's a name. It's not like it's the end of the world. It's a name, okay? You know, when the Astros used to be the Colt 45s, the Colt 45s, how awesome is that? They changed their name to the Astros. And if you don't know the history, just think about it. Astro. That's kind of weird. It's meant to symbolize the astronauts, and I'm sure they're kind of just like, what? Astro? What the heck is an Astro? This is stupid. Well, you know what? You know what's happened after 60 years? Almost 60 years, that name is stuck. And we've come to live with it. And you know what? I think that's what's going to happen with the Cleveland Guardians. Our initial reaction is... Guardians? Guardians of what? I mean, that's pretty ambiguous. It's inoffensive. I mean, I mean, I mean, what even what even is a guardian? It could be whatever you want it to be, whatever. You know what's going to happen over time? It's going to embrace it. And it would be pretty cool if they actually, you know, they embrace the fact that it's like Cleveland Guardians of the galaxy. If they played into that, I think they would win a lot of points with the younger crowd. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) I I hear the
0: name Cleveland guardians too. And I can't help but think that this is the perfect name for a team in the, in the Midwest. Like the Cleveland guardians is going to get so many soccer moms in like the suburbs of Cleveland and other parts of the state, uh, like buying like on board, buying uh buying guardians uh gear for their kids and things like that it's just it's the uh (laughs) it just it seems so kind of quintessential mid-america like
1: it it's ridiculous but it fits exactly you know it's just it's just a name they're a team they can name their their team however they want it to and it's funny because and there's a lot of speculation going around how They kept the last part of the name the same Indians, Guardians, and the fact that it's, you know, it rhymes, it's mostly spelled the same. And maybe that helps with them changing their fonts. They don't have to change as much. And maybe it's cheaper because instead of just completely redoing it, it's just you just change the first half and you leave the second half the same. And then boom, you're good to go. I mean, you know, it's just if this really offends you, you need to get a life. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> seriously, it, it, it's a name. Come on. Seriously. I mean, yeah. we, you, know, we, I,
0: you, you can't get much worse than how over in the NFL, how, uh, Washington handled, uh, <laughs> dropping the Redskins and becoming the Washington football team. And even with that, like, you know, it's kind of become a, a ongoing joke, like, and the, yeah. the, 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 the incompetence, of that franchise, both like on and off the field, and just like the ridiculousness of hey, we're going to be the Washington football team. And oh, you know, like the this might actually be a long term thing, like we might not actually <laughs> find like a new team name here. And so it could uh, be yeah.
1: the Washington could, football
0: team, yeah. I mean, they did better than becoming the Cleveland baseball team, and uh, like They're they made, actually got a name for them, but hey, if they had become the Cleveland baseball team. And even if something ridiculous comes out of just being the Cleveland Guardians, I think, you know, there's a good chance, you know, they can something laughable and like, just kind of like an ongoing good hearted kind of joke between their fans and fans of major league baseball in general
1: can come out of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, I mean, you, I mean, no matter where you, you, Put yourself... I mean, you got to admit that redskins is just inherently more derogatory. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, 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 I mean, come on. If it, to Take the word redskin, replace the word red with any other skin color, and see how it goes. <laughs> Black skins, white skins, no, no, yellow no, skins. No, 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 <laughs> no, no,
0: no, no, we... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I mean... So 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 yeah. I mean, when you do that, you're like, yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. So yeah, and yeah, you know. And then people are gonna be like, oh well, next it's the Braves, you know, and whatever. I mean, it's just you gotta look at the origin of where this came from. We wanted to bring up the history, and you know, it is important. Um, but a team can change its name whenever it seems whenever it whenever it seems fits. You don't have to like it. You you can think that the Guardians is a stupid name, and that's fine. That's your opinion, but they have the right to change their name. So if
0: I'm a Cleveland fan, I'm caring caring way more about what happens on the field than the, oh. the, the team
1: oh yeah you got bigger problems <laughs> so yep there you go With some some you know just some hot takes you know just some current events happening um a second fiddle to the trade deadline but now we just kind of gotta you know we're in the beginning of august we got two months left guys the marathon is almost over and we're almost we're one step closer to october trav you're going to be breaking down the American League. I'll break down the National League. That's how we're going to do this episode out. So I turn it back over to you, Trav. What is happening in the American League as it stands at this recording?
0: Absolutely. We're going to plow right through this because, once again, the we, we're we going to essentially hit the greatest hits of, uh, of each division here uh, in both the American League and the National League. So starting with the American League East, uh, this division is really shaping. You have to be just as compelling to watch as we predicted earlier in the year. Uh, we think you know it's going to come down to the uh, the Red Sox or the Rays, uh, but you've also have teams like the uh, the Yankees and the red uh, and the uh, the Blue Jays that have made moves that you think, okay, they might actually kind of be knocking on the door uh, and there's a chance should uh, all things kind of come together, both on the field and clubhouse culture uh, to, to give themselves a lift and into the conversation for not just a wild card spot, but also the uh, winning the division outright. Um, So one of the big things to talk about right now is just how, as of recently, the uh, within the last several games or so, the momentum has seriously shifted in the Rays' favor. Uh, the Red Sox are now on a four-game losing streak as we record this and have gone four and six in their last 10. Uh, but we know Tampa is an org organization where the numbers tell the story and not the name. Uh, Nelson Cruz is the biggest name that we have that this organization has basically at this point now. Uh, but when you look at the stats, uh, the metrics, the analytics, they, they're they just so on brand for what you come to expect from the Rays. So uh, third in runs at 533. This is among, I believe, baseball as a whole right now, major league baseball right now. 22nd in batting average at 234. 15th in on-base percentage at 315. And 13th in slugging percentage at 407. I mean, that's just all... Uh, when well, you look beyond the batting average, there, uh, you just see all these things that complement and put together a team that is dangerous uh, going into the postseason. And as we talked about Nelson Cruz, he's just that ageless veteran that, it, 41 years old, is performing better than his career average right now. I mean, that's just unheard of. Next, uh, going back to the Red Sox Um, chasing back to them. They had some questionable moves from free agency. Uh, And then there's just kind of some other uh, issues that they're dealing with here, such as Matt Barnes has gone on the COVID list as of today with symptoms, uh, but no test positivity. Marwin Gonzalez is expected to be activated in this place right now. Uh, really, everything in that organization is riding on sale and Schwarber to get healthy. And the days are ticking along, and the Magic 8-Ball says right now the outlook is... Not good. <laughs> uh, Garrett Cole <laughs> from the Yankees has tested positive for COVID-19. As of today, we will be out a few days and left-handed pitcher Jordan Montgomery is also tested positive now. Uh, geez, their clubhouse cannot catch a break. Um, let's talk some more Yankees as well. Like it's going back to the situation with, uh, with Gallo and Rizzo been p- picked up uh, the trade deadline. Uh, just quoting uh, Mike Lupica from the New York Daily News. You don't make deals like the Yankees made this week for Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo to win a wild card in the American League. You make moves like this to win the American League East, full stop. Uh, I imagine uh, you probably said in a bit more of kind of a, uh, a, a, a an Italian, nasally kind of sounding tone uh, with a name like uh, Lupica <laughs> or Lupica uh, there. I can I can sense the uh, uh, the, 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 oh the upper East Coast uh, antsiness demands here for oh, performance yeah. out of this team from his words here uh yeah this is a combination culture plus three true outcomes type of move that was made here to pick up these guys they're uh, they're looking to, to hit both here with them uh an entire glass now the rays is expected they have season ending tommy john surgery right now as we're recording this to address the ligament injury they had in his right arm after going cold turkey prior to the sticky substance crackdown
1: what so, a bummer, man. That guy was really in contention for uh the Cy Young. And then he, you know, he sustains this injury. And you know what? He might be out for not only the rest of the season, but basically all of 2022. What an absolute blow to the Rays. That is just such a buzzkill.
0: Absolutely. Real really, really hard for them. Uh, but it's like if you expect the team to kind of pick up elsewhere uh and, and make the adjustments around the the Rays they feel like they're getting hot at that right time to uh to, to be able to win their division. Moving on to the AL Central, um, it really it's this division is all the Chicago White Sox. It is a party on the South Side right now. And uh I would really be surprised to see the White Sox falter down the stretch. They don't bring as much power to the plate as leading teams in the other two divisions. Uh however they do lead the American League in the least runs allowed. Uh, And so interesting headline to kind of look at right now is that uh, Tony La Russa manager has said the other day that he's insistent there's no closer controversy on the south side of Chicago in light of acquiring a second all-star closer in Craig Kimbrell from the other side of uptown in the Cubs. So that means he joins Liam Hendricks to help close out the games. And La Russa has basically said that those roles are going to be defined before the game starts and basically be based on uh, lineup and rotation availability uh going into that game. But egos run high in baseball and fans love controversy. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of this and to keep an eye on is just how uh, like how similar these guys are in terms of their save counts on the year. Hendricks has 26 saves to this point in the year while Kimbrell has 23. Uh and things just aren't trending in the right direction for either Cleveland or Detroit right now. So Boom, you can give me your uh, your dissenting opinion. But does anybody else in this division uh, scare you right now, uh, if you're a if you're a White Sox fan?
1: Uh the short answer is no. I mean, they have a plus one twelve, uh, one differential, second place Indians minus 27 so i mean i mean come on gain the half games behind the indians are get out of here it's white Sox city their pitching is elite and also they're making it rake at the plate yeah. so they're done
0: fully agree with you yep the uh the 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 analytics do not back up uh anybody else really having a chance at this point so uh we we could be wrong. We could be recording this a couple of uh, a yep. couple of months from now, heading into the World Series, and we might be talking. We could be talking about Cleveland or Detroit uh, uh, with the, uh, <laughs> in, the yeah. in the fantasy islands of uh, either of those teams, um, yeah. like heading into the pennant races. But the, the 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 odds are not good for that right now. Um, so for the rest of the AL Central, better luck next year. At the AL West, uh, I reluctantly have to talk about this, but it feels like the division is a lock for the Astros, uh, the reluctantly, A's and, whatever
1: <laughs>
0: the A's and Mariners. Uh, you know, I might feel better about it when uh, the dust is all settled. We, uh, we can confirm there were no trash cans or signals or computers or anything like that involved. And, uh, it was a, uh. Uh <laughs> and it was a fair deal. But uh yeah, I reluctantly feel like this division is a lock for the Strows. The A's and the Mariners best shot right now is the wild card. Um Houston is leading the American League in runs scored and is just stout defensively. They allow among the least runs in the entire league. Um Jose Altuve, goodness man. Twenty-five home runs on the year, two seventy-seven batting average, sixty-five RBI. Jordan Alvarez leads an RBI at 67, also has 19 home runs and a 281 batting average. Uh, left fielder, Michael Brantley, 331 batting average, 384 on base percentage, 477 slugging percentage. Uh, the Mariners are, the A's and the Mariners both are right there. Um, but again, I don't see the horses, the the names the the on-field play from either of those teams to run down the Strohs. So, Uh, Boom, if you have anybody else that you you want to give a shout out to here, like key pieces that you see moving forward with this, uh, uh, with your Houston Astros, and then any, uh, and then from also the A's and the Mariners as well, like you could see possibly being a threat uh, to this division race.
1: Yep. Uh, You know, uh, their pitching is pretty solid. You know, you said their runs allowed is. Best in the league. That's a little generous, um, you know. Uh, the A's have uh, less uh, runs allowed. Yeah, and I said
0: among the least there. So I mean, the, uh, yes, the, the Astros have certainly have been pretty good overall.
1: Oh yeah, you know, um, you know they're keeping them at bay. As an Astros fan myself, I say you know their starting pitching is it. You know. You know, it's not lights out, but you know, it's pretty decent. You know, Granky Garcia is doing phenomenal. Uh, the young pitcher that he is, you got McCullers, who's probably having the best season of his career. And um, you got your bullpen that was strengthened up significantly. Graveman, pff, Graveman, more like Raveman. I mean, that guy, I mean, I'm so glad we got that guy. I mean, our, we did what we needed to do. Uh, my applause to James Click. I mean his first trade deadline and he short up our bullpen and that might be enough, uh, to push us over the edge. I'm still sticking with them as my world series pick. And you know, uh, I'm going to get off my Astro soapbox because uh, I'll be on there the rest of the podcast if I don't get off. So, but anyway, (laughs) um, you know, I mean, I mean you say it just like it is, you know, the A's and the Mariners chipping at the bit. Um, I, Personally, think the Mariners, they, they really shot themselves in the foot with giving up Graveman, but we'll see. The A's, you can't count them out. Uh, they made some moves at the deadline as well. Um, the only last thing I would like to add to your analysis of the AL West is the Rangers. They're 25 games out. They have no hope. But you know what they do? They can still make history. Jonah Heim, the catcher. <laughs> Buffalo, New York's own Jonah Heim. He, the catcher for the Texas Rangers, and I saw saw him in person last Friday on the 30th. That guy is really tall for a catcher. He's really tall. But you know what he did on July 31st and August 1st, respectively. He hit a walk-off home run back-to-back on both days. That is the first time... In 10 years that a player has hit back-to-back walk-off home run since Albert Pujols. The machine, he did it back 10 years ago in 2011. Speaking of which, episode 12, we talk about the 2011 season. That was a crazy season, so check that out. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, but Jonah Heim, hey, I mean, if you're... If you have no chance, you might as well just walk off against the Mariners of all teams. The Mariners are good; They're really good. And you walk them off twice in a row after losing the first game, which I personally saw you lose, even though you were hitting bombs. I mean... You mean, just get those short-term wins while you can. The first time Jonah Heim hit the walk-off on the Saturday night, he was walking and he had this bat with him. He took his bat and he slammed it on the ground. And he's like, yeah! And you know what? I love it. Let the boys play. The second time, he didn't do quite that. He kind of tossed his bat over. He probably didn't know it was in, but it went over the fence. So hats off to you, Jonah Heim. Your team's not going to amount to anything, but hey walk-offs baby (laughs) yeah
0: right now i mean just the pressure is completely off uh for the texas rangers to make anything out of this year i mean there's nothing that's going to come out of it there's no there's no wild card (laughs) no division no no hopes for anything independent races um it is just enjoy these last couple months of the season put on a show for the fans and yeah just go out try and you know and there's there is the there's even you know no matter if they win more games than they lose um uh, both on like a weekly perspective and just over the next couple of months, uh, and they're not necessarily tanking. There's still really good prospects for uh, for the draft next year and pulling in a uh, pulling in another uh, top player early on in the first round to add to the farm system. Could that be the other J- uh, young brother in Jace Young? We we, we will see. That might be uh, fun to see that as a possibility.
1: Um, Add the young bros, baby. Add yeah, get to the- <laughs> them
0: both on the same team. How awesome would that be to watch? Um, oh, yeah. We digress there, but there's just there's a good, with what we got with the fun, with kind of re upping our farm system through this latest trade deadline, it allows this team to go out and have a bit more fun because we truly took like a good couple of chunks of like future building pieces during this time to where it's like, it's what we do going ahead uh, and finishing the rest of the year. Like put placing our draft uh, order for next year is not going to affect us like it would otherwise. So it's, it'll be fun just to be able to go to games over the next couple of months and enjoy watching the Rangers play as our hometown team. So man, there's, we've kind of, we've, Talked about some very captivating races uh, in these different divisions here within the American League. We certainly need to talk about the wild card situation uh, here because that's going to ultimately uh, bring in two more teams into the uh, the postseason this year. So. Red Sox right now sit atop the American League wildcard standings, but also nearly closed in on the Rays for the American League East lead. These teams have been a little back and forth lately as the, uh, as, uh, the, the, the Rays have made uh, gotten kind of a little bit of steam, so to speak, now uh, over the Red Sox. And the Red Sox are uh, waiting in a waiting pattern, so to speak, in terms of getting healthy again the a's continue to hold steady and are in the second spot just behind the red Sox right now and remember my recent prediction of seattle finally making it back to the postseason well they are knocking on the a's door and they're right there uh so they they also remain in uh, in wild card territory right now and we will see uh if the moves have been made uh ultimately benefit them if they can steal some games along the way to possibly slip into that position and get back to uh get back to the postseason for the first time in 20 years including the wild card the yankees are also right there have they finally found some power at the plate and will their top five payroll shake out to lead them to the playoffs time will tell and so, ultimately, it just feels like there's a solid three or four teams, in my opinion, that are in contention for the two wild card berths, depending on how these trades and injury situations shake out. And so, we're going to move on with that in mind to the National League. Boom, take us away here. What all are you are you seeing unfold with each of uh, each of these divisions?
1: Yep, the National League, the purest league, the league in which pitchers bat, but maybe not for long, as Manfred hinted. Will these two teams basically be normalized and basically be similar and starting next year? We will see, but for now, it's the OG League, the National League. We're going to start in the East with uh, the, the Mighty Mets. They they just they just keep maintaining that lead. It won't go away. They added Javi Baez to strengthen up their offense. You know, as far as one scored, they are very, very far behind in terms of the Braves and even the Phillies. And so well how do they keep how do they keep it up? How do they do it? Well I'll tell you how they do it. It's their pitching, baby. It's held them this far, but it might not do it for long. Javi Baez is a good addition. You know, if they adopt the DH uh, starting next year, he can DH while Lindor is at shortstop. Or they can put Javi, they can put him at third, they can put him at second, they can put him wherever. Because Lindor ain't cutting it this year uh but who knows hopefully fingers crossed he can do better because otherwise the Mets are just wasting a whole lot of money uh DeGrom is DeGrom we've talked about DeGrom but he has ailing injuries as of this recording he's on the 10 day IL um because of a recent MRI revealing that he had right forearm inflammation he will be back soon Uh, but those nagging injuries, they just, they keep appearing despite that he is still elite 0.55 whip 1.08 ERA 14.3, uh, strikeouts per nine innings. Just to name a few stats, he's still, he's still elite. And if he can keep it up, hang in there. He's still a front runner for the Cy Young. I mean, because he's still... That great. He still has a decent amount of innings pitched. Um, you're having to rely on other pitching pitchers like Stroman and Walker. Uh, Stroman, 1.13 whip and a 2.8 ERA. Taiwan Walker, 1.2 whip and a 3.71 ERA. So, you know, still pretty good. Uh, but their lead is fragile. The Phillies and the Braves are closing in. Uh, as of this recording, the Phillies are one and a half games behind. The Braves two and a half games behind they're knocking at the door they're coming their highly powered offenses are starting to come into fruition uh i want to start off with the rays enough the braves the braves lost acuna he's out for the season tore his acl He's chilling it up with Conor McGregor, uh, rehabbing together, and uh, they, they had it. They took a photo together. They're both rehabbing at the same facility. It's pretty funny to watch. But anyway, he's gone. Ozuna's gone because he was arrested for assault charges. So, boom, boom, one-two punch. But you know what? Their pitching is starting to tighten up. It's starting to get better. It's in the top ten in the NL ahead of the Phillies. I might add and whip. team whip 4.08 era team era and opposing batting average of 243 you got charlie morton former houston astros who is very very good 1.11 whip 3.69 era 10.4 strikeouts per nine you got also ian anderson 1.25 whip and a 3.56 era these are sub 4 eras they're not that bad but you know what you got Oscar noah With a 1.05 whip and a 3.02 ERA, baby, their pitching is tightening up as I predicted it would. They're making a run for it. Their offense is still kicking it. Um, I always said, you know, if their pitchers can just really tighten it up a bit, they can really start to make a run for it. And you know what? Um, They're giving up fewer runs than the Phillies. And so... If they have a better run differential at plus 54, if they can just keep it up, they're going to be toe-to-toe with the Phillies. And the Mets, they might... They, they, it might all come crashing down. Uh, the Braves, just to finish off my notes on them, they're still kicking it. And offensively, uh, they have the most runs scored in the NL East. Top 5 in LL, NL with OPS of 749. Top 10 in the NL and batting average of 243. Second in the NL and slugging behind the Giants with a 428. Very impressive. And... They are in the top ten, and then and on base percentage in three twenty one. So they're knocking. They're coming at it. They're coming in hot. Phillies, however, are ahead of the Met, are the head of the Braves. They are one and a half games behind. They got Zach Wheeler, baby one point oh two whip and a two point four five ERA. But that's really it when it comes to starting pitching. Um, again, you know they're giving up more runs than the Braves and the Nationals, and the Marlins. (laughs) And their their pitching is just, you know, really not there. It's basically Zach Wheeler, and that's it. But you know what is keeping the Phillies up there? It's their offense. And it's Bryce Harper, baby! He's getting paid. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to carry this team on my back. He is currently slashing with a .302 batting average, 16 bombs, and a very impressive 963 OPS I mean dang that's elite right fielder Bryce Harper baby yeah he's started to pan out you got first baseman Reese Hoskin with a 239 batting average 23 bombs 829 OPS and then shortstop Yam Segura baby 308 batting average six bombs 817 OPS so The biggest storyline of the NL East is the Mets. It's not a done deal. The Braves and the Phillies are coming, knocking at the door. Braves, they made some good moves at the deadline. They made the most of their situation despite losing superstar Ronald Acuna Jr. But they're not going out without a fight. The NL Central, much like the AL Central, pretty straightforward. It's the Brew Crew, baby, asserting their dominance, further distancing themselves from the pack. As of this recording, they are eight games ahead of the Reds. Pfft. I mean, what else can I say? They've won eight of their last 10 and 13 of their last 20. They're just crushing it. Uh, Christian Yelich is still out on COVID protocols. He's been out for several days. You know, Trap mentioned earlier about Garrett Cole. COVID just will not go away. Vaccinated or unvaccinated, it does not matter. If you test positive, you are taken out. And that's what's happened with Yelich. Of course, don't know if he's taking the vaccine or not, but it doesn't matter. Because if you test positive, psh, they're pulling you. So Christian Yelich, he's out as of now, but he will come back soon. You know, it's just COVID protocols and they need them back. But of course, they can afford to not have them back because, again, their lead is comfortable. The once hot Cubs have gone way down. You know, they've they're rebuilding. They're gone. Um, You know, they've made appearances in our top 10 power rankings before, but they're just, you know, whatever. I mean, they basically have gone all in for the long haul by Selling Shop. Uh, The Reds, they just can't surpass the Brewers, despite their powerhouse offense led by Castellanos and Winkler. Uh, Their best shot is the wild card. Um, As far as runs scored, they are crushing it offensively, but you know what? They're pitching 527, baby, runs allowed. That's worse than the Brew Crew, worse than the Cardinals, and worse than the Cubs. So they give up a lot, but they score a lot. And... If it all evens out, I mean, you really can't do much with that. So, Reds fans, you have a lot of work to do. You need a late September miracle. But I don't know if that'll come. And then last but not least, we got the NL West, baby. The most stacked division in baseball. Those Giants, they won't go away. We talked about them, and we were like, oh, they're just a flash in the pan. But you know what? We can't consider them that anymore. They are making it happen... On all facets, starting pitching, lineup, bullpen, it doesn't matter. The Giants, they just make it happen. They make it rake. They they are just a phenomenal team. And under uh, the helm of Gabe Kapler, um, my hat's off to them. San Francisco, uh, you've had some rough years as of recent, but this year, you're going all in. You got Bryant's baby, which gave your offense a much-needed boost of adrenaline and... You know, they're 13 of their last 20 as of this recording, and they are really solidifying themselves. They currently have a a three-and-a-half game lead over the Dodgers as of this recording, and you know what? They might just push it through to the end. It's not as fragile, although Dodgers are still within striking distance. They got Scherzer and Turner. The Dodgers did. They want to win now, so, I mean, you got the Giants, they have a great team. They want to win now. The Dodgers want to win now. So it's going to be a fight to the bitter end. Dodgers making it rake at the plate. Uh, they have the best run score and run allowed. So their pitching is phenomenal. Their, their bats are phenomenal. But the Giants, they just keep holding on to that lead. We'll see what happens. It's going to come down to the bitter end. But then you have the Padres. You got Frazier. He can hit a lot and I love hitters but there's only one problem. You're 7 games out. You're 7 games out. Games out Padres. <sighs> you're 7 games out. You were kicking it up there but you just you're overshadowed by the Dodgers. You're overshadowed by the Giants. You trail the Gi- Dodgers and the Giants in OPS. 7.39. Batting average 245, slugging 411, and on-base percentage 328. All of those are worse than your opponents and the Dodgers and the Giants. Pitching is just the same story. You're trailing the Giants and the Dodgers. Again, you got to step it up. Whip 1.22, average 231, and 355 ERA. Again, these numbers aren't bad, and I feel bad for the Padres, Uh, You know, if the Padres were in the NL East, they would have a considerable margin over the Mets. But because they're in the NL West, they have to be perfect. They can't just be good. They can't just have a plus 93 run differential and expect to do it. No. You have juggernauts. You have the Dodgers who are a powerhouse. You have the Giants who are just making everything happen. And I mean, you just I mean, you can't get away with it. And I feel bad for the Padres. Their division is so stacked. And you know what doesn't help? Fernando Tatis Jr. sustained yet another shoulder injury. He is currently on the 10-day IL, but you know what, Trav? He's probably going to have to undergo season-ending surgery. Ah, stab it no
0: good when you're
1: staring down the playoffs. I know, stab in the heart. He had an injury earlier this season. He bounced back. He was having an MVP caliber season, and he's got another injury. Ugh. They just can't catch a break, these guys. Tatis, baby, he's the face of their franchise. He's getting paid. And he might be out for the rest of the season. Their chances destroyed. And pitching-wise, it ain't happening, guys. You Darvish... 3.48 ERA, not that bad. Joe Musgrove, 2.94 ERA, ain't bad either. It ain't bad either. But you know what? Blake Snell, former Cy Young winner, he ain't panning out. 5.44 ERA. Paddock, 5.13. Guys, your starting pitching is not lights out. It's not lights out. Like the Giants. It's not lights out like the Dodgers. You can have offensive powerhouse. You can have a hitter like Frazier. But you know what wins in the end? Pitching. Bullpen, starting pitchers. And I don't know. You They made a big splash over the offseason prior to this season. They got Snell. You know, they got Darvish. And... But you know what? It's just... They're just not cutting it. And... It might be too little too late. But when it comes to their chances, you got to look at the wild card. So, this wraps up my NL series on the wild card. You know, you still have it pretty good. You're four and a half games ahead of the Reds in the wild card as it currently stands. Uh, right now, it's Dodgers Padres. And in a best of one game series, Padres might potentially surpass the Dodgers, but Dodgers. They're 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 crazy. So, but hey, you would at least get that shot. The Reds are four and a half out behind the Padres in the wild card. The Phillies six and a half out. Cardinals, seven out. Braves seven and a half out, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, it's just that's the Padres, that's their best hope. As far as the Reds and the Phillies and the Braves You know, they got to try to win the division. Reds, it ain't going to happen. Phillies and Braves, they have to overtake the the Mets. Otherwise, they're done. So they got to go all in. Reds they have the best chance at the wild card. They just have to make incremental changes. Um the cards, man, what are you doing? You got Nolan Arenado, baby, and you're just I mean, you got to contend with the Brew Crew and you're not making it happen here. Very disappointing on their part. Um but no, yeah. Um it, you know, that's the NL. I mean, it's it's Brew Crew every day. You have the faltering Mets in the NL East. Uh, brew crew repping it up in the central and at super stacked wild card uh it seems pretty set in stone but anything can happen so man baseball you never know it's it's a it's going to come down to the bitter end it's going to be exciting so
0: yeah we've got uh we we have to keep an eye on the nl west and nl east I mean, that's ultimately what it comes oh, yeah. down to. Those are the the two ones where it's just like the the, the situations and how things are unfolding, and between injuries and trades, it's just it's so like there, there's so many similarities and uh, storylines and how things will unfurl on the field that we uh, we have to keep an eye on for sure. Oh, uh, yeah, and man, this from what we talked about recently with the season and now like what's happened with the trade deadlines like goodness like I, <laughs> I well i don't need to just buckle up like i need to like make sure my 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 airbags are working that my seats are padded like everything is ready to go for this last couple of months because we're probably going to see things happen that we did not expect <laughs>
1: exactly that's baseball baby that's what makes it so awesome so can't yes, wait for the postseason yeah i cannot wait either
0: and as we wrap up this episode here of No Doubter, we Kind of, we move on next to an uh, important thing that we want to highlight here for uh, for all of our listeners is our mailbag, where we're going to answer some questions from fans. And uh, this first question comes from Barrett's own father, Tad Bostick, who is a Patreon member. So he's part of our Patreon community. And because of that, every Patreon level part of our community includes priority for our mailbags. If you're a Patreon member and you submit to us a question that you want us to answer on one of our episodes at no doubter podcast at gmail.com, you are moved up in the queue and given priority among anybody else who submits. So we'll talk more about our Patreon community here shortly. Uh, But we want to go ahead and... Answer his question, which is, what is a fair price for a beer at a baseball game? I recall paying something like thirteen dollars for a pint of St. Arnold's Art Car last time I went to a game at Minute Maid Park, and I can buy a twelve pack of Access IPA for the same price at Specs. Uh, Barrett, <laughs> I know you've given kind of your, uh, you've done some research here. You've got your take on this issue. Uh, you get some of these first points here. Going ahead and unpack what you have to say about
1: this. Oh, man. Uh, the craft beer aficionado. The apple does not fall far from the tree. Uh, <laughs> St. Arnold's got to represent their Houston area brew. Texas's oldest craft brewery we have yet to showcase one of their beers but we will make sure to do it very soon because they're awesome uh AXS ipa that's real ale brewing company from blanco texas um you're just pointing out uh, the business model of baseball um you know you go to a store buy a 12 pack and you get the same amount as you can for a pint of saint arnold's at minimade apparently so at minimade park Near the Crawford boxes, an iconic part of it, there is the St. Arnold's area uh, where they sell their beers on draft. And although they're a little pricey, I definitely recommend it. Support local. They got some great beers there. Um, car IPA is a fantastic IPA. So, but But anyway, back to the question. What is a fair price for beer? <sighs> well, Dad, I did my best research. And although it's it might not be um, definitive. It just seems, based on my research, that there appears to be a direct correlation between concession prices, which include beer, and how well a team is doing, a.k.a. their attendance. Attendance is largely based on how the team is doing. But so really, it's attendance and uh, and therefore revenue through that, as opposed to uh, concession prices. The average price for draft beer in baseball is around 6 bucks. Now it's very important that you have to distinguish between big brand and craft beer. Craft beer is premium. Big brand like Bud Light, Middle Lite, whatever is going to be cheaper. When it comes to craft beer, you have the extremes. You have Dodger Stadium which sells it for $17.50 and then the Giants, they sell their drafts at almost twenty bucks, twenty bucks for a pint of beer. Get out of here! I mean, these and that's cal- so
0: <laughs> on brand for California too. Like I, I would expect that sort of markup from them.
1: Yeah, I mean, so thirteen compared to twenty ain't that bad. But you juxtapose that with, and, and so just so so that's the Dodgers and the Giants. They're powerhouses. They're selling their beers crazy, and you know what? The, their fans are probably buying it, but you juxtapose that with some of the bottom feeders of the MLB, the Marlins and the Orioles, you go to Marlins park, they sell their domestic draft beers, five bucks. And at Cannon Yards, the home of the Orioles, they sell their domestic draft beers, four bucks, four bucks a pop. There's a correlation the best the, the team the stadiums that are able to be consistently filled are able to jack up their prices why because the people are there and they can get paid uh, the worst teams that are having an ever so troubling time to fill their stadiums they have to lower their prices otherwise this fans are just going to be like forget this so uh, a lot of business models going into that um So you have to keep that in mind. Um, You know, other stadiums, you've got Bush Stadium and Iser Bush, the home of the Cardinals. They sell $5 Bush draft beer until the first pitch. Um, But, you know, yeah, really, what is a fair price? It depends on where you are. 13 seems to be on the high end when compared to what I just described as extremes. But you know what? The Astros are a good team. They fill their park. So, $13, it's pricey. You can go to a bar and you can get beers much like the Marlins and the Camden and the Orioles sell them for. 5 bucks, 4 bucks. what a steal. And that's for domestic draft. That's not even big brand. That's local. So, I mean... I guess we just got to <laughs> go to a you know the bottom feeders and enjoy craft beer without breaking the bank. <laughs> but uh, it, it I mean it is it is what it is. I mean these stadiums are going to overcharge for everything. So it's unfortunate and so you just got to decide do I really want one or not? And yeah. so yeah
0: ultimately craft is what the name says it is um you're paying for the higher quality and craftsmanship that goes into it uh albeit at an inflated rate when you're going to the games um and i think i when i was at yankee stadium a couple of weeks ago i if i remember maybe a quick glance at the uh at the uh, the, the bar slash concession area there at uh, at the stadium it was probably like 13 to 15 bucks probably for a uh for a craft brew there at Yankee stadium. Um, But then you also look at the minor league ball games and they have some of the better beer deals Uh, specifically uh, here in DFW. When you go up to uh, the North suburbs up in the Frisco where the rough riders play, they have thirsty Thursday for their games, which include $2, 16 ounce domestic beers and $3, 16 ounce craft beers sold from 6 PM to 8 PM on game nights. And so yeah it's one of those things like the it's ultimately it's supply and demand the experience that you get for bad major league teams and then for the minor league teams where you're not getting as good of a quality of show you are uh, you're trying to draw fans in however you can and so it's kind of the more of like the attic what you get there like those features become the experience over the game itself um but certainly, yeah, I would imagine too. Like the uh, the Skeeters down Sugarland, I imagine they have, um, they have their uh, their own sort of deals as well. Uh, and certain nights where you can get craft and domestics uh, for a reduced price during a certain amount of time. I imagine those are all pretty uniform situations.
1: Oh yeah, so it just depends on where you are. So uh, yeah, I mean Houston, you know, uh, I mean uh, I would love to go to a Skeeters game with your dad sometime. I mean you know, see Alex Bregman rehab it up. So, and then maybe join, enjoy some more affordably priced craft beer. So minor league games, very underrated. They're awesome. Go check them out guys.
0: Our next question comes from our friend, Wesley McGlory, who a uh, boom and I know from our time at Texas tech, he writes, Hey, no data podcast. So now that the trade deadline has passed, are there any changes to your season predictions? Also, who do you have winning the AL and NL Managers of the Year and Comeback Players of the Year? It's great listening to your podcast, and I look forward to more episodes. Wesley, we super appreciate you being an early adopter uh, and listener here of No Doubter of being part of our community. We uh, we can't thank you enough for it. And yes, we look forward to many more episodes to come. So, Barrett, you'll go ahead and take it away with uh, with your take on how you're seeing these things pan
1: out. Right, I really appreciate the question, Wesley. Thank you for submitting it. Um, man, changes to the season predictions. I personally am not going to ch- change my predictions. I have to stick with it. That's just my perspective. You know, I can't be wishy washy and just trade change it with every, um, you know, you know, just the movement of the winds. But although I have to stick with my predictions, um, it just. It changes my assessments on how my predictions actually are. Um, you know, the Braves, they shored up their outfield. And they think, I think, I personally think they made the necessary steps to make a good run at the wild card. Or maybe even the NL East. Their offense is still it's still great. Uh, adding Job Peterson certainly helps. Uh, shoring up that outfield, they're, they're signaling, hey, we're not just going to you know belly up you know no we're gonna make a run for it we're still the braves and their pitching is still you know it, i mean it's it's good it could be solid it could be great but it's still pretty good and it might just push them over the edge um it solidifies my belief that the rays have a great chance to win the al east they got they got Cruz, baby they got Cruz. um their rival red Sox, they got schwarber Pfft. And that guy can't do nothing, so um, it further solidifies my belief in the Braves and the Rays. And then, really, the only surprise is the Blue Jays. Everybody loves to discount them. There's several games out, but getting Burrios, that was interesting. That was a very interesting move. And you know what? That might just be enough to help them out right now they're three and a half games behind in the wild card but having a solid starting pitcher who can pitch for you super solid every five days that's pretty good and the blue jays are back in toronto baby there they have that home field advantage it's the first time in two years so um if anything it really changes that um The Padres, I didn't give them enough credit to begin with, but you know what? They might not win the wild card because they're just kind of going downhill very fast. And the Mariners, I was disappointed in their trade deadline moves. So I personally think the A's can still hold them off. So I'm sticking with it. Um, So Blue Jays is really the only surprise, shall I say. But the others, it's just further solidifying it. And as for the second part of your question... AL Manager of the Year, I think Alex Cora will win because the Red Sox were so pitiful last year. Alex Cora comes back from serving a suspension, and now they're doing pretty darn good. So I think he'll win it. Um, As far as NL Manager of the Year, I'm going with Gabe Kapler of the Giants. The Giants have not been good for the past three or four years. And here they are. They are by far the biggest um, surprise of the year the MLB and they are just crushing it they're the best team in baseball from a record standpoint and they are just keeping the Dodgers and the Padres at bay and they are juggernauts so uh, Gabe Kapler of the Giants Alex Cora of the Red Sox as managers of the year as far as comeback players of the year NL it's all Buster Posey baby He's been around for a long time. He had a really off year in 2019. He sat out in 2020 uh, because of the COVID year. But you know what he did? He came back, baby. And he's an all-star. He's batting in the four hole. I mean, what? He's a powerhouse at the catcher. And you know what? I think that's good enough for be a comeback player of the year. And then the AL comeback player of the year, who else? Trey Mancini. The guy beats cancer. He comes in. He's carrying the Orioles on his back. He participates in the Home Run Derby and gets second, beating some powerhouses like Gallo. And, I mean, you got to give it to him. He is... He's the—he's an awesome story. Trey CD. Uh, I mean, just the fact that he came back is good enough. But to come back and just make it rake, I mean, hats off to him. So... That's my answer to his question. Trav, what are your thoughts on Wesley's question?
0: I'm also playing by the same rules, and uh, I'm not going to flip-flop on my predictions. as well. I'll just kind of uh, unpack very briefly some things that, uh, that I see... Right now, primarily focused on the American League, but then a brief touch in the National League as well. I think the Red Sox are trending in the wrong direction uh, and the addition of Nelson Cruz, plus the continued mastery of analytics driven baseball makes the Rays the probably like most dangerous team in that division moving forward. And I see them as the likely division winner. Uh Mariners are still sneakily there in contention for the wild card in the AL West, but as my Rangers showed, that pitching depth and bullpen is quite shaky, and that could be the difference between the A's and the Mariners earning the second wild card berth. Right now, I've got the A's in that position, and the uh, the Astros holding on uh, very handily in uh, in the AL Central. Uh, in case the AL West, excuse me. Uh and the AL Central. Uh so yeah, the White Sox are loading up like they honestly at this point, like they could take the Astros to seven in the ALCS. And I I'm beginning to believe that the 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 Astros and the Sox both have the horses now to be uh in contention for the ALCS and ultimately one of those two teams uh go into the World Series as opposed to uh like the uh, the Red Sox that I had chosen originally. Um, so that's just kind of how I'm seeing things uh, unfurl at this point. Uh, on the National League, I think just like the main thing that I would touch on at this point is that I, I think the Mets win their division. Uh, should DeGrom come back healthy, nail things down in that area, and they get some more power out of Baez? I just I, – the – it's just like it's not a super strong division by any stretch, uh, the NL East. And I think that I don't see it changing from the Mets, to be honest. It's just not super strong. And with the other things here to touch on, the AL Manager of the Year, I'm picking both AL and L manager of the years are, I'm, I'm picking for teams that have been on the up and up and have been in a rebuilding, uh, kind of stage through their farm systems in a while. And as such are young, uh, and, and scrappy, uh, but have been led, led well, both ways. First being Tony La Russa with the white Sox, So he's, be my choice for AL manager of the year NL manager of the year. Uh, my choice would be, uh, Jace Tingler from the Padres. Uh, he's probably more so choices than predictions in terms of definitely differing a little bit from boom here, uh, in terms of what he's picking in that regards. Uh, but in comeback player of the year and AL comeback player of the year, I do, uh, do echo what boom says, uh, Buster Posey would be my pick. And then Trey Mancini, uh, would be mine on the American league side.
1: There you go. Uh, love to have some differences. It's good to have some extra picks so we can have, add those to our predictions. And when we do a season recap, we'll see what happens for these extra picks. It was a good, you know... a. Uh, great thing to suggest Wesley thank you so much for asking thank you dad for asking too and uh for all the people listening you can send us questions at any point in time whenever you think of it just reach out to us at no or podcast at gmail.com. send us a question we'd love to we'd, we'd love to include it so and if you're a Patreon member $5 $10 whatever you want to give to us if you think it's worthwhile you will be prioritized so we'd love to hear from you so uh uh, yeah, well, we're going to try to do more season update episodes in the second half of the 2021 MLB season, and yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys, so just reach out, you know, give us some feedback, so yeah. And then, of course, we're going to end off this like we did last time, and do the second installment of a fun little segment we want to do called Unwritten Rule of the Week, because baseball it has its rules which are confusing enough and then it has its unwritten rules we want to educate our audience on what those are so Trav give us your unwritten rule of the week
0: my unwritten rule is technically not an unwritten rule but if it were in real life it would be the pitcher's duels you know they're fun to watch every once in a while but most of us we get way more fired up when the ball is in play when runs are scored when the dingers are hit all that good stuff. Same goes for picking off runners on base. It goes pretty quickly from it being interesting to see if the pitcher can add elements to the defense and get his team out to a nuisance, seeing nothing but attempted pick- pickoffs being thrown over and over and over and over again. I propose then that for the love of all things good about baseball, we must keep the game moving. From now on, I propose that no pickoff shall happen under a full moon. NES Tampa and any other team playing in a domed or retractable roof stadium, this still applies to you. Any mental errors from the pitcher leading to an attempted pickoff under a full moon will require the pitcher to drop down and give push-ups equivalent to the number of games lost in the season to that point. So yeah, uh, Arizona, we're looking at you. Probably wouldn't be real fun if uh, this rule were to go in effect today because A, you're Never usually looking at the sky uh, there at Chase Field to begin with, and B, you've lost a lot of games this year. So (laughs) be thankful this is not an actual unwritten rule.
1: (laughs) There you go. Um, You know, uh, piggybacking off of my full moon unwritten rule from last time, man. Doing uh, 100 push-ups, you know, getting the crowd into it, you know, that'd be pretty cool. So, uh, mine, you know, believe it or not, guys, this is an unwritten rule. And you know what? You know what? It has to deal with some off-the-field tactics. You know, because of free agency, you have people who are absolutely making it rain with their very lucrative contracts. And it's a rule that if a player accumulates a contract in a lump sum of over $100 million in total value, they are required to give 1% of their earnings towards a charity of their choice in the city of the team in which they are playing for, the team that signs them. 1% sounds like not that much. 1% of $100 million is $1 million. You look at people like uh, Mike Trout, you look at people like Bryce Harper, that's $3 million because they have $300 million plus dollar contracts, so that's a lot of money. You know, you gotta give it to a charity of your choice. You gotta, you know, um, to, to whom much is given, much is expected, so it's just a good thing to do, you know, give back to those who are less fortunate, and failure to abide by this Well, you know what that happens? It means that every other person on the team is benefiting because this Mr. Moneybags has to pick up the tab for his former teammates at restaurants and outings, home or away, until he fulfills that requirement. That's right. His teammates can go crazy at the club, they can go crazy at the casino or the restaurant. And you know what they say? Yeah, Tatis, he's got it. Or, you know, uh, Lindor, he's got it. So that's what happens. You know, it's just you got to give it back. You know, give to the local city, set up a charity. And a lot of players do. A lot of players set up charity organizations. And my, my hat's off to them. They do good work. They really do pour into their community. But when it comes to the signings, you know... Give to those charities, man. They do a lot of good work. So otherwise, you're just going to be at the club, making it rain, picking up the tab until you're just like, Psh, okay, fine, fine. I'll do it. <laughs> so there you go. Unwritten rule of the week, baby. Well,
0: this was a ton of fun. A lot to think about. A lot to unpack. A lot to chew on. And a lot to sit and wait in eager expectation of what's to come over the next couple of months we finish out this regular season head into the pennant races and ultimately the 2021 world series so this has been another great episode of no doubter we are so thankful that you've all decided to join with us and stick with us over these couple of hours as we've talked about all this uh we want to ask everyone to please go ahead and subscribe to the no data podcast today. So you do not miss out on any future episodes. Give us a five star review. If you enjoyed the show, uh, send us, uh, emails, uh, shoot us, uh, messages on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, let us know any feedback that uh, you'd like to give us uh, about what you've heard so far, what you want to hear. From the show in the future, what we can do to improve. Uh, we just want to hear from you and be and have you along for the ride here as we're building this program. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Check out our Patreon community today to get an even greater level of access to No Doubter and help ensure we can continue to provide you uh, the best baseball content moving forward. Check out our merch store so you can get decked out in your favorite No Doubter gear, including mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, baseball shirts, phone cases, and many more items to come in the future. All the links for these things are going to be in the description below. We are so thankful that you joined us this evening this is a really fun time boom and i are exhausted but it's a good exhaustion and we can't wait till we can join you again the next time so so we always uh we have a little something we like to
1: remind our audience boom so what do we want them to do as we close out this show go in there go into your life and always swing for the fences it's the best way to do it uh hit no doubters in any which way possible. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We'll see you all next week. Good night, everybody.
0: This episode of No doubt was produced by Eric Bostick and Travis Laughlin and edited by Travis Bostick. Our logo was designed by Lindsay Zoblick.